The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. In this episode, we'll be discussing eating disorders and child abuse, which may be triggering. If you or someone you know is dealing with an eating disorder, call or text the National Eating Disorders Association at 800-931-2237. For mental health resources, visit NAMI, N-A-M-I.org. Hey, y'all. Hey, what's up? And welcome to Let's Red Table That. I'm Tracy T. Rowe. And I'm Cara Presley. Red Table Talk is back. But we at Let's Red Table That never left. But now we'll be recapping Red Table Talk episodes as soon as they come out. Yay! I love that part, right? Yes, the Red Table Talk return is starting out. Yes. We're talking about abuse and how things, you become Mm -hmm. normalized, even though Mm -hmm. they are completely left of center. And parental abuse is absolutely left of center. We talk about Dads, Mm. people joke about the dads being absent, but no one talks about the moms being abusive. Oh, and that's a true statement. Very, Mm -hmm. very true statement. Yeah, this episode, as usual, Red Table Talk is out here shaking tables and in these streets and bringing up the concepts that no one wants to talk about. And this Jeanette McCurdy episode is no different. Sis is on the front of the cover holding the ashes urn. Right. Saying, I'm having my mom died. My mom died. Through me. I didn't know what was going on. I said, wow. It's no wonder it sold out. You know why I think it's sold out, too? When people say things that no one else is saying, clearly she's not the only one going through this. And that's exactly why we're here today. There were so many pieces and parts of it. And she went through so much with her mom for so long. The apartment, when she moved into her own apartment. It was the never left for me. It was so many things in this episode. It was the 
eating lettuce with no salad dressing. It was the weighing five times a day. It was the seven-year affair. <laughs> they slid that in there. Did they not just ease that right on in? In the words of Kevin Hart, you're not finna just slide past that. You didn't just hear what happened. But they did. They and did. They, definitely... they just eased on it. And then she was acting out as this character on iCarly, and she was living a lie. It's time to hear from our community. We want to hear from you, our fantastic listeners. We are now sharing these questions in several online Red Table Talk communities. So if you want to answer our weekly question, follow Kara or me on social media or join Red Table Talk Facebook group. Don't you love that, Kara? Because we had all kinds of... I mean, we're everywhere. We're here, we're there, we're everywhere. (laughs) This week, we asked y'all if you experienced abuse or maltreatment by your parents growing up. How have these experiences affected your adulthood? Kara, let's hear from these wonderful people in our community. What they say? Let's kick it off. Anthony Vinson said, It's impacted my relationships, my worth. It fueled my insecurities and so much more. Oh, so unfortunate. Anthony Vinson, we are just sending you love and light because that that is hard. How can it not affect everything? Facts, absolutely. Tristan Scott said to treat people better than you were treated. So don't repeat the cycle. Right. Break right. break it. That's good. That's very good. KT Washington said, I think it's informed a lot of my work in mental health around boundaries and worth. Mm. No one has the right to abuse you. We can honor all people by respecting their boundaries. I like that, KT Washington. Thank you for sharing that. Our community is our backbone. We rely on you to get involved. So we got all yes. these different ways for you to get in touch with us now. So we're looking forward to hearing from you. Yes. We're going to take a quick break. But when we get back, we'll be joined by an incredible guest from our Red Table Talk community. We usually invite two guests on Let's Red Table That, but this week we wanted to give our one amazing guest as much space as possible to share about her journey with us because the topic of parental abuse and its long-term effects is a big one. So we are grateful that Joy is here with us today to walk us through what it is like growing up in an environment like Jeanette McCurdy experienced. How are you today, Joy? I'm good. Thank you so much for being here, Joy. Joy Havens is a psychology student in Georgia where she lives with her husband. Joy relates to a lot of what Jeanette shared at the Red Table. Her parents were emotionally abusive, and her dad made her feel shame about eating, leading Joy to develop an eating disorder. Joy is working to heal and understand how her experiences impact her today. And we're just grateful to hear and share your story. Oh, thank you. I'm grateful to be here. I'm so excited to be here and talking to you guys. Oh, that makes me happy. That makes me happy, especially since what we're talking about isn't necessarily the happiest topic. But I'm grateful that you're here with us because I think it's going to be a gift for so many people. This is the part of the show where we reveal which Red Table Talk moments made us pause, rewind, and listen again. This wait what moment or moments was, it was just, oh, what? What was that? What was that? And what was that? Because I don't think we could all believe what we were hearing. And I loved iCarly as the parent who had the child who loved the show as well. I watched it right along with everybody else. So it was eye-opening for me. So let's Mm -hmm. kind of jump into it, right? Jeanette reading the excerpt from her book about her mother showering her and her brother together when they were 11 and 16 years old. Mom showers me with Scotty sometimes. He's almost 16. 
at this point. I get really embarrassed when she showers us together. I can tell he does too. We usually just look away from each other and Scott distracts himself by drawing Pokemon in the fogged glass. He does a pretty good Charizard. When she showers us together, Mom says it's because she's got too much to do. Scott asked if he could shower himself once. Mom sobbed and said that she didn't want him to grow up, so he never asked again after that. That was a total wait what for me. I was like, the brother is 16? Like, that's, yeah. Oof. Right. <laughs> We're all just at a loss for words. Yeah. yeah. I think this episode, as a parent, is the first time I really thought about parents really manipulating their children. I just couldn't fathom someone going there. I remember my son being 16, right? <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't, I didn't want to be That's anywhere near him. That's not time you want to spend with them in the bathroom. <laughs> I didn't want to be anywhere near him sometimes. Just because it's teenage, they're all trying to figure their own selves out. All those out. hormones, right. Right. So it's interesting that she was trying to guide that teenage journey for them, really. She didn't want them to grow up, either. Right. So there right. was that. No, but it does lead into this next moment. Deb's email to Jeanette when Jeanette ran off with her boyfriend. She called Jeanette names, disowned her, but still managed to find the audacity to ask for some money for a refrigerator. What happened to my good little girl? Where did she go? And who is this monster that has replaced her? You're an ugly monster now. I told your brothers about you and they all said they disown you just like I do. We want nothing to do with you. Love, mom. Or should I say Deb since I'm no longer your mother? P.S. Send money for a new fridge. Ours broke. Pure unmitigated gall is what I call that. That, mm-hmm. I, it's... It's like, I, you... I, what? I'm what? And what? And what? And oh, by the way, send money. The fridge is broke. Right. Lady. Can, can you imagine having the burden of being your household's breadwinner as a child, especially while being treated this way? Joy, how did you feel about that as you yeah. watched the, the episode? I was taken aback. What? <laughs> I had to like <laughs> rewind to make sure that she said that. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's... Right. I can't believe that people even think of things like that. I kind of want to know if she sent the money for the fridge. I do too. Knowing Jeanette, she probably did. Just to kind of be done with it and here you go and that's all you care about anyway. I would Well, and then she's just been programmed, right? You know? I would have definitely sent the money probably because I'm just, it's my mom, you know? At the end of the day, it was still her mom and she wouldn't want her mom to be without a fridge. I'm sure she sent the money. It's interesting because they didn't ask that because everybody was so like completely shocked at all the stuff that she was saying before that. It's like, how can you say this about your daughter? Right. Right. Her mom had a lot to say. The quote from Jeanette's mom. My mom was always saying, men will never really know you and they'll hurt you, but women will know you deeply and then they'll hurt you. You tell Uh, me which is worse. What? So who am I supposed to trust? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What are you leaving me here with? Trust yourself. That's that's it. That's all you got. My mom has actually said something similar like that to me before. Uh And it was when I was leaving for college. It wasn't in the same way as Jeanette's mom said it, but she was basically saying, you can't trust anyone. And so I was like, well, then who do I trust? I'm confused. At that point, she was like, you should just stay home and go to community college and just live with me. I'm like, no, no, I have to go. And even when I was at college, she was trying to do the same thing, trying to get me to come back home. And what are you doing? Like, why are you out so late? And it's it'd be 1130. Uh, and I'd be in my friend's oh my dorm. And she'd be like, you need to go back to your room. I'm like, I'm 
literally in Kennesaw, Georgia, you were in Albany, Georgia. We are four hours apart. You can't right. tell me what to do. But even and then- you're still trying to control Yeah. Me. And with that, she was basically saying, you just can't trust anyone. At this point, I'm going to have to figure that out for myself. <laughs> right. Like, you can't trust anyone, but come home because you yeah. can trust me. Like what? No, I can barely even trust you. <laughs> was it a trigger for you, Joy, to see this? Oh, 100%. Oh, in so many ways. I was- trying my best to keep it together. Like I was trying mm. to not start crying because Jeanette was talking about like the emotional abuse and the eating disorders. And I'm not going to lie, I'm still dealing with that as a 27-year-old adult. And it just, hearing another adult talk about it so freely, I'm like, holy crap, this stuff is real. And it was very triggering. That episode really did do something to me in a good way. It just made me self-aware of my mental health and what I need to work on and what I need to be more expressive about and express my feelings more. So hearing Jeanette talking about like finally getting into that element of herself, I'm like, oh, I can do that too. That's cool. Yes, so. you can. So yes, she was can. a beacon for you. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And me growing up and watching her, I'm not even kidding. Me and my little brother, and my mom would watch that show. Like, we loved that show. And it's just, it's just crazy listening to her tell her story and all that going on behind the scenes. It sucks that, like, they take advantage of the childhood stars in that way. And it just, it's, it's disgusting. And I relate to her with her character being obsessed with food. And she was already going through that eating disorder. I went through that. Like, I pretended like I love food. I do relate to what she was saying. Her life was kind of mocking her in a way. That was my whole life. When Kelly shared about her betrayal blindness, betrayal blindness is forgetting or simply not knowing you're being hurt in an intimate relationship. This plays into the difficulty people have accepting that their mother abused them. Kelly said, As a culture, we don't like to think that mothers can be abusive. Mm -hmm. Really, it's called betrayal blindness. One of the things I love about Kelly McDaniels is having had the opportunity to see the episode where it was the maternal deprivation taps so much in. It's so aligned with this episode, too. We are taught not to talk about our mothers. Yeah. Even if it's the stone-cold truth about it, you can say, my mom literally did the best she could, but it wasn't great. It wasn't what I needed. It yeah. was the absolute opposite. My mom did the antithesis of what I needed as a child. Yeah. But if you say that, it's like, oh, you know, Right, right. Just the acknowledgement and you the, the accountability. You honor your mother. Right. Right. Versus, mm -hmm. could she have done better? For me, it was from both parents. My parents mm -hmm. were, I was their accident. They never got married. They're good accident. They, I love them. They love me. But that's another thing I need to stop doing is having the disclosure after everything I say. <laughs> but you know what? I'm, I'm going to help you right there because that's what I Jeanette said. do. She's like, yeah. <laughs> I do the same thing. I don't know why I do it. I just do it. <laughs> It's just, it's a validation for yourself. Yeah. That's all. But continue. Yeah. So for my mom's and my dad's side, it was definitely the emotional abuse. And then most of the issues of me growing up was mainly my mom having issues with my dad. And it was like, I knew everything that was going on, but there wasn't anything I could do about it. And my mom would subconsciously take it out on me and my dad would do the same exact thing. And 
it would just be constant, you can't do anything right, like, you're so stupid, from both parents. It was just like, because of their issues, they took it out on me. And I didn't realize until now, like, what was going on. And then on top of that, with them not really even knowing how to handle my emotions and my anxiety and my depression issues. And technically, I was an only child for 16 years. And I have a brother, but I only saw him once a year. And so all of that energy was just put all on me of if anything went wrong, it was like my fault in a way. And it wasn't my fault, but as a child, I'm thinking, oh, maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to, I don't know, talk to my mom or ask her what's wrong. But every time I would go ask her what's wrong, she would just snap at me and be like, leave me alone. Go to your room. I'm just, you know, you're my mom. I want to be there for you. But looking back now, she was just a young parent and she didn't know like much of what she was doing not in a bad way but friend i'm gonna I'm I'm just say it, it might be a bad way it's okay I mean, and yeah. i feel like yeah it's, and it's all right if <laughs> it's not even bad though it's just she did the best she, yeah with what she had yeah because I watched how she grew up with my grandma, and it's funny how Jeanette was talking about her grandma. If there was any any sort of emotion, she'd then meet it with like 10 times that emotion. So if my mom's uh, crying, she'd be like, yeah. ah! Just yeah. see, like, chaos on chaos on chaos. Right. It was so much noise in our house. I was like, wait, my grandma was not very nice to my aunts and uncles or my mom. And then the same thing with my dad. His dad was abusive. And so it just, the patterns, and now I'm like, okay, so now it's my job to stop it. But now I'm like trying to figure that out of like how to stop right. it. So mm -hmm. that's it good. Just, it's a lot. That is good. It kind of reminds me of, remember in the Mother Hunger episode when they defined the spoiling of being sat on the shelf? And that's right. really when you spoil. Right. And that kind of reminded when you said she told you to go to your room. That's when your thoughts were spoiled because you started to be like, was it me that I actually do? Oh, 100%. Yeah, because yeah. you were left alone instead of, like Tracy just said, receiving that love that you truly deserved. I still do that. If I don't feel well or if I'm having anxiety, I deal with it by myself because that's just what I've been trained to do since I was a kid. And my friends are like, I don't understand. Like, why can't I help you? No, please. Like, I can't. So it's just, it's crazy how childhood can really affect you up until you're an adult. Until forever. <laughs> yes. It affects you until forever, Joy. Right. Yes. It's a true, like, unlearning yes. in any facet. Just when you know that that wasn't your best and you want to be your best and you know it's not you, it's other environmental conditions, it can be changed. Your mindset can be changed. So one day at a time. Yeah. I'm learning that now. <laughs> In her book, one of the ways that Jeanette described the atmosphere in her home growing up was saying that the air felt like held breath. That painted a really clear picture for me. I can just feel that tension, right? You think about holding your breath and walking around. Joy, how was it like in your childhood home? Oh my gosh. Basically that from both houses, actually, my dad's house and my mom's house. With my mom, it was more so like if there was tension, it would be died down within a few days. And there was tension because of financial stuff or just her having a bad day and not really knowing how to channel that energy into something else. It would be taken out on me in a way. Or if I would come home and want to just talk to her after school, she would just go straight to her room and be by herself. And if I wanted to talk to her, she would kick me out and be like, no. And so 
it, it just, most of my childhood during the school year, I was mostly just by myself in my room doing my homework or watching movies and reenacting all the scenes and playing by myself. I would literally pretend like my dolls <laughs> were there with me, playing with me, and I would play Cinderella with them. Even up until like high school, it was always like that. And, it, and with my dad, I was terrified of really even talking because I felt like sometimes, even to this day, I'm 27 and I'll say certain things and he'll just pop off. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand. And even as a kid, I was walking on eggshells most of the time at his house. And even whenever my, I mean, my little brother, he didn't really understand. He just kind of just dealt with it. My cousin would come to visit too. She would feel the same way. It was always tension because we were scared of doing something to set my dad off, start yelling and cussing us out. It sucks. And so you didn't have any place of solitude, no, no. place of serenity, no place of comfort, no place no. of support, no place that you felt loved and, and safe. I had my best friend, but I wasn't even allowed to see her because my mom was so protective over me. Like I was not allowed to do anything. I wasn't allowed to go hang out with anyone. The only thing I could do was school, orchestra, after school every Tuesday in church. That was it. We had to literally beg my mom for me to go to my best friend's house. And I barely even went to her house. So I really didn't have anybody, to be honest with you. As an example of my mom being really protective and not letting me do anything, she didn't even let me go to my high school homecoming dance. And uh, I asked uh. her why, and she just said, there's no reason, I just don't want you to go. And I'm like, okay. And I asked her, I was like, so did I do anything wrong? And she said, no, you didn't do anything wrong. I just don't think that you need to go. I still, to this day, don't understand. She would do that. There would be times where we would have plans for me to go do something. And she would say, actually, no, we're staying home today. We're not going. And I would think it's because I did something wrong. And there was one time where I was a senior in high school and I had senioritis, like really, really bad. Yeah. I was trying to get all my stuff in order. I was practicing for my senior recital. I was stressed <laughs> and I was applying to all these college places. And my mom, it, it really irked me because she just kept trying to get me to stay. And we got into this huge fight because I told her, I said, I can't stay because of what you're doing now. I can't stay because I won't be able to grow as a human being because... I'm stuck. And she didn't like that. And she didn't like that I was standing up for myself. And she started yelling and things got heated. And it got to the point where she literally threw, <laughs> it's not funny. I'm sorry. She threw a lamp at me and mm. I was like, oh my God. And I was like, why would you do that? What was the point of that? And I said something disrespectful and she ended up hitting me in the face and after that, I was just like, you know what? I literally left. I literally started walking down the street and I called my aunt and I was like, can you come pick me up? Because this is not working. I want to live with you until I graduate. I'm just going to move in with you because I can't do this. I think my senior year was the year of when I really realized like, oh my God, like I'm stuck and I need to get out. What did your aunt say? Oh, it didn't really, she didn't really know what to do because she was just like, I want to be there for you. She came and got me. We hung out, but she was just like, at the end of the day, that's my sister, and I don't want to get in between that. She was like, I will tell her you aren't treating Joy right. What you're doing is wrong. But at the end of the day, she's an adult, and she is going to do what she wants. And that's mom still having the ultimate authority. Yes. And, and trying to maintain some control. And then as I'm listening, I'm hearing that she probably had some anxiety of her own. Oh, yeah. 
because telling you, no, you can't go to homecoming now. Just, that that says to me, I want to keep you as safe as possible and I'm going to just have to keep you in the house, child. <laughs> and, and, you know, it doesn't make it right <laughs> at all. No, I've been to other homecoming dances. I'm like, yeah, I went to my ninth grade one, my 10th grade one, and my 11th grade. Why can't I go to my senior one? Why not the senior? Are you having a mental break and you needed a moment and now it's it's, it's bleeding on me? Like, I, you yeah, know, some, yeah, there's so much yeah. more to that. But back to what Kelly McDaniel said. It's had to be a result of her mom's own traumas, right? Most definitely yeah. that this has been a handed down thing. But when I'm working with a daughter, yeah, I kind of... Don't worry so much about let's understand your mother's trauma. I kind of really want her to be able to unpack her own. Yeah, her own. Trying to figure out the why on the Mm -hmm. mom's side is almost fruitless, right? It's about how you process and how to deal with what your experience was, which is a lot of work. I mean, that's why I applaud you because you've been processing through this. Yes, you are doing the work. Talking about that now, I'm like, holy crap. That's why I am the way that I am now. Right, and right. Mm-hmm. it makes mm-hmm. so much sense. I'm just glad that Jeanette talked about her story because now it's opening up everyone's right. eyes to abuse in every single way. Right, right. And I think people, again, the betrayal blindness, they just, yeah. just bypass it because they love these people. Mm-hmm. And how could someone who loves me do this? And my mom was definitely going through her mental health stuff. And that's why she was always by herself. And like being a single parent. How old were they when they had you, Joy? Oh, my mom was 25. My dad was like 30, 31. Okay. Or something like yeah. that. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. Something so like you that. were, and you said you were surprised, not a mistake. I'm I was reframing a that. Yes. Right. You were surprised. Right. Yeah. You know, my dad says the same story. You know, listen, he you what is it your dad says? Oh, my dad, every time I'm like, so how did I get here, Dad? Oh, wait. All I minute. know is your mom said she needed me to fix her TV and the next day she said she was pregnant. Wait, my dad, wait. My dad says that every year on minute, my birthday. Cara. Wait now, a minute. <laughs> I wouldn't quite consider that abuse. But I didn't take it well growing up. Wait a minute, Carl. Dang. (laughs) You can you can laugh because I you know Joy. Friend. (laughs) Wait a second. My dad does not care. Okay. Wait a minute. Wait, let me make sure I got this right. Okay. (laughs) The way is so casual, by the way. But I mean, Dad, y'all have been married for over 30 years. Stop trying to act like you know, this was Your a mom old one night. Needed That's the TV fix. That <laughs> is hilarious. <laughs> Dad is a very matter of fact person. He says what's on his mind. He does not care. Well, now, did that make you feel like? Oh, I felt a, terrible growing up. Did. I felt terrible about it. I don't know the difference. My dad doesn't have the language. He doesn't tap into his feelings directly. Did you feel like you had to like walk on eggshells with your dad? Oh yeah. Really? But it was, looking back, it wasn't quite from an abusive standpoint or anything like that, but just his language is, because he is a, he is a, an alpha male. Like, it's, I can't even describe, what are you looking at me like that, Tracy? I'm looking at you because it sounds like Tracy, you like, may. are you betrayal blindness? <laughs> right, Maybe. Right? No, literally, are you? Maybe. Do you need to talk? <laughs> I, I definitely have accepted some of those things because... 
My dad is just my dad. I also have boundaries with my dad now because you talk to me any kind of way. So again, Mm. I I definitely did feel that piece of it. Did you create some boundaries with your dad as you got older? I don't really know how to do that, to be very honest with you, because we... I'm actually going through something with him right now where he's not really talking to me, and I don't know why. And my brother doesn't even know why, and we're just kind of figuring out that. With my mom, I definitely have boundaries. She actually was the one who taught me how to be how I am when people come at me sideways. And she's, even as an adult, she'll try to talk to me all types of ways. I'll ask her to repeat herself And I'll say, I really don't appreciate how you're talking to me. I'm an adult now. I'm still your child, but I'm not a child. You cannot talk to me that way because X, Y, Z, or I'm just not going to have a conversation with you. And that's just respectfully me saying that. And that's with anybody. Very clear parameters and boundaries now. Yes. With my dad, not really, because I don't really talk to him as much. I want to. I'm going to be honest. It didn't happen for me until 30. So you're 27. It might be just. Or maybe you just own that you don't have, have to have a conversation with your dad, a relationship with your dad. Yeah. Trust me, he tries, but it just, he goes through these spouts of not really talking to me and I can't really do anything about it. But I do have some boundaries. If I feel like he's raising his voice or trying to talk to me all types of ways, I just get quiet mm-hmm. because that's what I did when I was a kid. Do okay. I- How do you feel about him having these moments of withdrawal from you? How does that affect you emotionally? Oh, it, it affects me a lot because I want to tell him what's going on. I want to tell him all the awesome opportunities I've gotten and what I'm doing now. I haven't even been able to tell him that. I've told my brother and my brother, he's supportive and he's super excited for me. And he just, he's the same way. He's, I wish we could tell dad. He'll go through like these spouts of like months of not talking to me. And then the holidays come around or my birthday comes around and then he'll talk to me. And don't get me wrong. I love him. He's a really good encourager. The reason why I am the way I am today is because he's encouraged me to keep moving forward and follow my dreams. I will say that. But other than that, like, we don't really, unfortunately, we don't really talk like that. And I I want to, but my mom kind of knows more of what's going on than my own dad. So I'm a psychology major, so I'm all about mental health. And even is if that you don't- what motivated you to be a psychology major? Oh, John? yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. I want to help people that are going through something similar that I'm going through. And I haven't graduated yet, but I do I do know a few things. On the track. <laughs> right. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm on track. Yeah. Jeanette felt inkling that something was not right when her mom caught her calorie restriction, which ironically was something that bonded them. But it took her years of therapy with multiple therapists to accept that her mom actually abused her. Joy, how and when were you able to understand what you had experienced from your parents was abuse? When? Probably around middle school. Because for my mom, it was when we were living with one of my aunts and my mom was going through whatever she was going through and she would take it out on me. And my aunt came to me and was like, I'm going to have to have a talk with your mom because she can't talk to you like that. And that's when I was like, what do you mean? That's just how every mom talks. (laughs) And for my dad, it was whenever his girlfriend at the time, around the same time actually, pulled me aside and asked me if I was okay. Because we were at a restaurant and I may have made a comment or done something. I don't remember, but I just remember him cussing me out and yelling at me. 
and making kind of a scene in the restaurant. And she Mm. was like, whoa. Whoa. Like, what? And that's when I realized, okay, so other people are seeing it. So this is abuse. Like, this is my parents just being emotionally abusive. And that's when I started to realize, oh, okay. So I'm not just a bad child. They just have stuff and they're taking it out on me. Because yeah, so it's this just isn't me. me. It, yeah. Right. So someone else sees this now. It's not. It's right. not me. That part. Plus, we came kind of from a sticks and stones generation. If it wasn't a black eye, are you being abused? Really? Like we were so literal. Yeah, that's what my dad would always say. Is at least I'm not hitting you. And I'm like, like, like that makes the pain less, though. And that's the thing. Like that, you saying that makes it ten times worse. Like that because just, you know what you're doing is at this wrong. point. I'd rather you hit me because I'm like you are saying all kinds of stuff to me. That's the weirder part about it. I think I read something one time that said whether it's a Somebody cussing you out or getting punched in the eye, like the brain knows pain is the same pain. Literally. And the healing process takes the same healing process, but we just can't see the verbal abuse. One of the clear consequences of Jeanette's abuse was that she developed an eating disorder with the help of her mother, no less. My father spoke to me about my weight in unhealthy ways as well. Okay, so literally, I just wrapped my hands and head around The fact that I, too, have an eating disorder, Joy. And so it gave me some comfort to know because so often now eating disorders stereotypically have been associated with people being on the super thin side and anorexic side. And for me, it's the opposite. It's the other end, right? I overeat and I'm grateful now that I have a term and language so that I know I can work through that. How did your parents influence your relationship to food? And what is your relationship with food like today? My mom didn't really understand it. When I was going through my eating disorder, she mm-hmm. thought that I was just being dramatic. And in her eyes, it was, I was so stressed out that I didn't want to eat. For mm. my dad, it was him making a comment about my weight and how much I was mm-hmm. eating. And because I wanted his acceptance at such a young age, and I honestly wanted him to just stop yelling at me. And if that was one thing that I could do, that I could control, That's where it started was when I was like in middle school, honestly, up until now. For me, it was more so like combination of anorexia and bulimia. And now it's of me overeating with candy Mm. and snacks and all that jazz. And my relationship to food today is a little bit better. I'm healing from all that. And it's kind of hard to really put into words, really. It's kind of like a hit or miss. Like it's an off and on type thing. I've noticed if I start to get stressed out, I'll go like days without eating or or I'll buy a whole bunch of junk food and just stay up all night and eat it and And just eat it it's gotten to the point where I already have teeth issues as it is but now my teeth are being affected by it and it's like it's embarrassing to talk about sorry (laughs) I can't believe I'm even talking about that but like it's just it's real life like it yeah when I get stressed out I start to eat candy or I'll have to even eat candy to fall asleep sometimes. And that's Mm -hmm. just, it's not good. But because I've had such harmful mental... Different experiences. Yeah, different experiences with food since I was a child. And even whenever I would go through my spouts of not wanting to eat when I was in high school, my mom would literally shove food down my throat. And that made me not want to eat even more. Of course. Because she didn't understand. She was just like, why are you not eating? I don't understand. Are you trying to get attention? Are you just, is that what you want? And I'm like, no, like you don't, I didn't even understand what was going on with me. Right. 
right. didn't even understand. I didn't understand why I didn't want to eat and why I have body dysmorphia and all that. So it's a really tough mm. question. They talked about it on the episode a little bit, right? About how Jeanette's yeah. character was obsessed with food. Yeah. But then in her real life, she's on this complete caloric restriction. Lettuce with no dressing. Oh my god. That's really, yeah, that's not considered a salad in that's my life. That's not a salad. That's right. A that's rabbit. just you eating like a rabbit. Exactly. And you think about it, how high water content lettuce is, right? So you're really not eating anything. And I completely relate with you, Joy, on the whole dad thing. Because my mm-hmm. dad, he was just weight prejudice. And mm-hmm. because I was always the chubby kid, it was oh. literally, he at one point said, I can't shame you into losing weight. We have talked about it with the neighbors and we have talked about you and it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Like for you to be this big, we can't even shame you into losing weight. Yeah. Why is he talking to other people? I'm so sorry. That's another thing I don't like is when parents talk to other people about their child. Right. Right. I was an adult at that point. And this is a crazy story about weight with my dad. My former sister-in-law literally had taken some of my clothes and decided she was going to throw them away. That's another episode for another conversation. Oh okay, we, that, Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she did that it with my dad's way. approval. Yeah, she threw my clothes away, y'all. Because I went and confronted my dad. And I was like, Daddy, what the heck? And he said to me, what difference does it make? You can't get your big arm in the shirt now anyway. And I was like... I would have broke down crying. I would have just... <laughs> I would have melted into tears. I would have been like, you know what? You're right. Dang. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. But I relate in that moment, Tracy, like you sharing that. That's how I related to when Jada said, like, she calls it the unthawing. Because yes. I def- my dad definitely said stuff that made me cry. Thawing out. Thawing that I out. wanted to cry about and couldn't cry about. So now yeah. I, I definitely cry about everything. You cry all the time. All the time. See, I didn't cry then. I was mad as hell. <laughs> I understand. I'm an Aries. I'm a hothead. So I get mad. I More so now I'm just thawing out with, I'm allowing myself to feel the emotions because back then I wasn't allowed to cry. And now I'm like, okay, so now I'm allowed to, like, how do I feel now? So I get it. Right. Yeah. What is it that I'm even feeling? Right. Yeah. yeah. How are you able to find light and joy in all this darkness and hurt? What What were your What were your coping mechanisms, Joy? That's a really good question. It was my imagination of me dreaming about my future and getting out, becoming a therapist, or I could just do my childhood dream and be an actress and move far away and not have to worry about this. I would play violin or watch Twilight movies. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Really, my coping was movies, and it's still okay. Is, and reading, okay. and playing violin because oh. I had nothing else to do. I was by myself. Yeah. That's why I'm obsessed with movies because that's literally all I could do. And so I would let my imagination wander of what I would want to do when I was an adult, and that would give me some kind of comfort of okay. In this movie, this is what they did whenever they were kind of going through something of what I'm going through. Maybe this is what I can do in the future. That right there was my coping method, was me remembering there is a light at the end of this tunnel. I know it sucks right now, but I would tell myself, Joy, just take your dreams and take your imagination and put it into reality and like just do it. And that way you can move far away and not have to worry about this. And so I'm still doing it. I'm still figuring that out. Still have vision, still have hope, still have dreams. Yes, yes. 
Jeanette shared that she is often attracted to codependent romantic relationships because that's what she had with her mother. Joy, you're married, so how has all that you've experienced with your parents affected how you developed your relationship with your husband? Ooh. <laughs> I'm laughing. I love the ooh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm laughing. Take it I have to laugh because that's, wow, it's hard. It's very, 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 very hard. We've been married for three years. We've been together for five years. I'm having to remind myself and learn that my husband's not my dad, and he's not going to cuss me out, say the things that my dad would say, and even my mom, too. I had to remind myself that because you grew up this way and your parents treated you this way doesn't mean that your husband's going to treat you this way. And even if he did do things that would kind of trigger me, I just... I don't really know how to answer that question. <laughs> um, I, it's affected a lot. To be honest, it's still affecting a lot. And we both came from broken homes, and we're trying to figure that out together. And it's definitely affected a lot it, emotionally, how we handle conflict, our communication. We knew that we love each other and we wanted to be together, but now it's like the nitty-gritty parts of marriage. And we're literally going through that right now. Both of our parents has definitely affected our mm. relationships with each other. It's mostly emotional, really, and like communication yeah. because I'm too scared to communicate how I feel. I mean, I know my husband's not my dad, but I'm worried that he's going to blow up, go off and go on a tangent and not want to talk to me anymore, or I'm being too dramatic. So I just kind of shove how I feel down. And that's or not good. Over-explain maybe what you mean. Yes, and, and, I over-explain. Yeah. Holding your breath and still walking on eggshells. Yeah. Hoping that you don't suffer repercussions. Yeah. Yes, that's basically yeah. what's happening. And it just, yeah. it takes time. And it's being married, let me tell you something, Joy. Being married is hard. Being, being married is oh, yes. hard. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do it, it, in your I, entire I promise life. you. You're at the year where it's, okay, the, the honeymoon is really over now. Oh, so I'm with you? Yeah. Okay, wait a minute. When you get past year seven, you'll be in a smooth selling period. Just trust me. That's what everyone's been saying, year six or year seven. How was your husband able to handle your trauma while you were dating in such a way that you trusted him enough to marry him? Maybe someone else is dealing with this right now and they're like dating like, Hmm. You got married. What was the deciding factor, maybe? It was very hard for him. I definitely had a lot of walls up. It took months for him to realize, okay, like she, obviously we want to be with each other, but she has trauma and trauma from other relationships too. It wasn't until I did open up to him about my childhood and then he opened up about his childhood and then he started to kind of understand where I'm coming from more and why I was so shut off because my whole life right. I was taught to be shut off. I was taught from an early right. age to be alone and handle everything alone. And so when it came to like us dating and us even having like fights and stuff, he had to remind himself you know, where I'm coming from and where I grew up and vice versa with him too. But it wasn't until he sat me down after three or four months and he was just like, hey, I'm not trying to scare you. This is not me trying to scare you away, but I'm just going to lay it out on the table. I do see myself marrying you. I want to marry oh you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And he, it wasn't until he put his intentions saying, hey, you're safe. It's okay. You don't have to put so many boundaries up just so you know, like, my end goal is to marry you. And that's when I realized, oh, okay. So he does want to be with me. 
Like, I don't have to be scared of really showing myself fully. And it just, I, can I think start that was... to thaw out some. Yeah, that's yes. when I started to open up more, was when he said those words. I was like, okay, so you want to be with me because you want to be with me forever. <laughs> and not just, I you know, that. like, for the time being. Yeah, and I needed to hear that. Do you guys have time where you do counseling or sessions together? We're about to. It's funny you ask that. We have before, but we're about to soon because him and I are doing individual therapy and then we're going to do one together. That's awesome. That's great to hear. Jeanette shared that her therapist told her that maybe she doesn't have to work towards forgiveness of her mother. And I agree. I don't think we have to forgive people who don't deserve it or we don't aren't ready to maybe even forgive them yet. Gammy framed it in a good way, which is we can reach acceptance sometimes rather than forgiveness. So, Joy, where do you feel like you are as far as forgiving your parents? I forgave them a long time ago, to be honest. I forgive them every single time they do anything to hurt me. I have to remind myself that, like, they have their own stuff going on. And it doesn't, you know, justify it. It's not an excuse. But I have to... In order to forgive them, I have to just say that they're going through their own thing. I don't know what that is, but in the time being, the least I can do is forgive them for what they did. They might not even know what they did to hurt me, but for me to feel better about and and moving on, I have to forgive them for what they did and what they said to me growing up and even recently because otherwise I'm just not going to move on because- That takes a tremendous strength. And it's- it sucks, but I have to forgive in different ways. Like, I have to learn how to forgive, too. Because I have 10,000 other things to worry about and other people that have hurt me, too. And even with other people hurting me, for myself, I know that in order to move on, I have to forgive mm. them and figure out in myself, in my mind, okay, so what does that look like? Satisfying yourself to get to the next, to your next now and your journey of healing. Yes. Yes. That's so powerful, Joy. Wow. (laughs) I think your name, as much of a surprise as you may have been, or your mom may have needed her TV fixed, (laughs) or however you got here, I think that the name that they selected for you is completely appropriate because even in the midst of you having the parental abuse from not one, but both of your parents, you have found the joy in your life and are in pursuit of that. And are intentional. The one thing that you have is those are your stories, Joy. So you can select whatever it is you want to share. You can Mm -hmm. share what you think is going to be helpful for someone else. You can share what it is helpful for you that's cathartic, that gives you the continued release Mm -hmm. that you need to say, you know what, this is what happened with my mom. And here's how I felt about it. Yeah, I love you guys. You guys are so cool. I feel comfortable talking to you guys. that That is like, that is the ultimate compliment. Absolutely right. Thank you. I'm not going to lie. I had a lot of anxiety. I was like, if, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I don't look right? Aww. You Aww, look absolutely look fantastic. And everything you, you said was perfection. Yes. Thank you. We're going to take a short break right now. And when we return, we're going to share a brand new segment with you. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. I can't wait. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? 
That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. We've been saying this all season long, and it continues to be true that the Red Table is covering some immensely tough topics this year. Right. So while these conversations are important for our growth, we also want to make sure that we are all equipped to care for ourselves during this time while we do this introspection, right? And probably assess some of the relationships that we're in. 
that's why we are including a new segment on upcoming episodes. So get ready for our first mental health moment. We get to welcome Katie Morton to Let's Red Table That. I'm excited about this. Katie is a licensed marriage and family therapist, YouTube creator, author, speaker, and passionate psychoeducation facilitator who works to demystify mental health and replace stigmas with understanding. Her master's degree in clinical psychology and years of experience at her own practice, Katie now shares her expertise with the masses via social media. So smart. Thank you so much for joining us at our virtual red table, Katie. Yeah, thanks for having me. So excited to have somebody here with all these accolades, right? Absolutely. We need someone to help us navigate through these things. It's more common than we really realize. We're discussing mental and emotional Mm. abuse by parents on this episode of Let's Red Table That. And a common theme we've seen is people who are not even realizing they're experiencing some type of abuse or toxicity until teenage years and sometimes even adulthood. So, Katie, what are some signs people can look for right now? to just identify if they're in an unhealthy or toxic environment. Yeah, I mean, there's quite a bit. Unfortunately, one of the things we don't realize the most is emotional neglect, like things that aren't there, because we always look for things that are, right? We think of like, oh, if I was physically abused or sexually abused, even that is hard for people to often actually acknowledge and not try to minimize. But when things aren't there, when we don't feel heard or understood, in our family. I think that's a big piece. If you ever feel like when I go home, I don't fit in there. I think Mm -hmm. that's a good indicator because that Mm. means that no one ever heard you. No one ever met you where you're at and said, I see you and you're important. Okay. And those words are just so, they're so Mm -hmm. key to our growth Mm -hmm. as a child, right? To feel seen and heard and understood. I mean, I think we say it and think, yeah, 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 yeah. But if we didn't get that, oh God, we need it. You know, it's like, it's right. it's palpable. So I think that's like one of the number one things. Or, I mean, a more obvious one would be not feeling safe, like always feeling more right. hypervigilant. Mm-hmm. And I think some of us can feel that way physically or emotionally, right? Like I have to have my guards up. I don't know who's going to try to trigger me with this, that, or the other. Or maybe, right. you know, you have that crazy aunt or uncle who always wants to engage in that conversation right. you don't want to have. Pay attention to those things. Yeah, avoiding those awkward moments with that, oh, here's that family member that's going to ask me this thing I don't want to talk about, right? I've definitely had a few moments like that. And I've told them I don't, and they still try, right? They don't respect You know, I never thought about that. Katie is being, you know, one of the things environmentally, because it happens in so many families so often, but that's good to know. It is. We think of things as like normal, right? That's like, what? oh, family's just uncomfortable. We take these things as like, it should be, but it shouldn't have to be that way, right? And so just notice if that's happening in your family of origin when you have to go home or let's say you still live at home. And then a way you can know if you're like, well, I don't really go home ever and I don't really engage Do you notice, and just be honest with yourself, because I'm even laughing in my own life, do you see the same patterns in your relationships? This could be romantic. This could be friends. Is there always like the same kind of hiccup? And like I said, you kind of have to take time with yourself and be honest because there tends to be these patterns. Like for me, back when I was growing up, if someone got too close too fast, I call it puffer Mm. fishing. I was like, get out. Mm. (laughs) You too oh, close. Yeah, that's yeah. key. <laughs> so yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, just to push you away before. Or it's just uncomfortable. Like in and like you said, like sometimes we felt like, especially dealing with your family, we had to deal with them because that's uncle, whoever. But 
you can actually remove yourself. And when you're mm-hmm. children, you don't really identify that, you know, you can, like your spidey sense goes off to tell you something's wrong with your gut. But there aren't people around to affirm that, to say, yeah, you're right. If Even if they heard you right. to your point earlier. In your latest book, Traumatized, which is all about identifying, understanding, and coping with PTSD and emotional stress. Ooh, that's a lot. I mean, so many of us have that. Mm-hmm. You share some therapeutic techniques to heal from childhood trauma. Could you give our listeners a sneak peek into some of those techniques, things that we can start using today? Yeah, one of my favorites is if you start to feel overwhelmed, because something that's really common when we've been traumatized or abused or just honestly like in chronic stress is we dissociate. Do you ever have those like lapses in memory where you feel real spaced out and you just, you're like, ooh, I'm just not here with you. I'm kind of here with you, but I'm not. If you're feeling that way or if you start to feel it come on, you start to feel yourself fade, do Mm. a full body shake, like like a dog out of the bath. Mm. Because what's happening is our nervous system is queuing us up for fight flight. Got it. So it's getting all this energy ready to like save your life. So thanks nervous system. But if we don't have a way to get <laughs> I out, don't need it. I know it's like, praise yeah, Jesus. Thanks right. for coming to my rescue. But right. it's not actually a threat that I can run or fight from. So what do you do you with that energy? You dissociate. Boom. So you have to just shake it off. You have to move it out and give it a r- way to get out. That's why we can find ourselves fidgeting too, or feeling like restless or like that anxious feeling inside because it's all queued up. So I think that's something that we can all do. I even find if I'm feeling a little extra anxious or on edge before bed, I just do a full body shake then. And it's really calming. Mm -hmm. feels a little weird. You can do it like in secret, (laughs) but it works. (laughs) I I think I'm going to do a full body shake out loud. You know, like I love that. Uh I love the full body shake. And I probably I'll probably sing with my full body shake, Katie. You know, just like you can totally turn mm-hmm. on some music and make it like mm-hmm. a dance move. Yeah, we can t- and give it a sound. Even. Yeah, not mm-hmm. even just a shake. Sometimes I feel like for me personally, I need to just verbalize whatever. Yeah, emotion I'm trying to feel because I don't have oh, words for it. You I know what you. I mean? Sometimes <laughs> yeah. you just need to shout yeah. or make a noise. That's yeah. Good. Totally, because that's like your expression of that energy, right? Right. So that's something we can go to all the time. But I think another good tool for people that maybe is a little more labor intensive is Mm -hmm. if we find ourselves acting in ways we don't like and going like, why did I do that? Why did I say that thing? Start engaging in what I call like a mental impulse log. So when we have Mm -hmm. this urge, right? For me, it'll be like, I'm going to buy that random thing on Amazon. That I don't need, but I think I do. Yes. Or uh, for some people, it could be like, I want to drink something. I want to say that thing in text or call or whatever. Mm-hmm. We can feel very impulsive about, well, I want to get out of the house. Ugh. We can just feel this, like, got to move. Yes. Consider, just for a second, take a beat. And instead of doing the thing, think, what is it that I actually feel right now? And what is it that I'm trying to say with this action? Because a lot of times when it comes, especially for myself, like when it comes to buying that random thing, it's that I've earned it because I'm I'm worth it, because I'm enough. But I don't yep. believe it, so I try to prove it through purchase, which is such an interesting thing. And a lot of us, we just don't correlate it, right? We're like, but it was cool. I saw it on TikTok. It does like five things in one in my kitchen. And, it, it, you know, but then you have like six of those things and you don't use any of them. And you're like, why right. am I doing this? And, is that a way of trying to validate your worth in some sort? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because when is the last time you peeled a potato? Do you need that new <laughs> potato peeler? Like, 
Mm-hmm. That's me at Target. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally. Uh-huh. And and so just taking a beat to think, what is it that I really am needing? Because yeah. usually, not all the time, usually what we're needing is actually connection. Right. Yes. Right. That's absolutely Ooh, that's right. That's a key. So as we change and as we get older, we even move away. If we go home to visit our parents or even just our family, that parent will maybe still be in their own behavior and not want to acknowledge this is how I live my life now. Like even just coming to church with us or why aren't you looking for a new job? So how can that person respond to prioritize their own mental health when someone Mm. is doing that? Yeah, that's Mm. a great question. And I think we've all been there Mm -hmm. where they're like, you're expected. (laughs) And even though I'm 38, my mom still, I'm sure, sees me as like 12 years old. So yeah. yeah. Or younger. Right. (laughs) I think one of my best words of advice to us is what I call the hug and roll. So when someone comes at you as something that feels abrasive to you uh-huh. or like boundary overstepping, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it could be anything, like you said, from you need to go to church and you're like, I don't believe in that. Or you need to eat this or don't eat that. You're like, get your thoughts off my body. <laughs> but you can't mm-hmm. say that, right? So <laughs> you have to come in with, I understand that you love me and care for me and I appreciate you so much. So we're going to hug. And it depends on the person, what you want to say. Like, especially if it's like my mom or something, I'll be like, I know you love me and you want me to do better. And you're trying to make me healthier. Right. Or you're trying to, you know, make sure I go to heaven. I get that. So you're <laughs> hugging, hugging, hugging. And then we're going to roll away. And then you say something like, but, you know, I'm an adult and I make my own decisions. And even though I mm-hmm. love you, I, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And so we don't that give part. excuses. We don't, because mm-hmm. if we give excuses, then there's there's loopholes. There's other right. ways they can try to keep right. talking you into it. And so if, oh instead gosh. of just saying, you know, well, not now, because, you know, it's the holidays or right. I'm busy and I got to do X, Y, or Z. Right. You start to impulsively, like you were just saying, start to ramble off things that they and the more we ramble, deem acceptable. Yeah. Oh, man. Right. That's not even how I feel. I don't want to go. It's totally. And if you have a parent, most parents, especially mothers, they're ready for a comeback. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I got to, I, oh, you don't want to do it for Christmas. We'll wait till the new year mm-hmm. and then we'll be ready. You know, Come it's like, January I, 1st. I don't ever want to do it. Right. Exactly. And I think it's just holding that line. And then it comes to that they're not happy anyway. Because even if you said you wanted to go to church, you don't like what I'm wearing. Mm -hmm. Now you don't like how how long I stayed, where I chose to sit. Like, it's just never... You didn't raise your hands at that one song, you know, or what a sing loud enough, or I mean, I don't know what church... I grew up Pentecostal, so it's like all about the music and we really get into it. And if you are not into it, what... Like, what's wrong with you? My son, Jason, is 40 and... He has his own wife and family. And so oftentimes when they come back, I find myself wanting to, you know, treat him, even though, you know, he's an adult. Obviously, he's got his own wife and family. He's, he's always got two your kids. baby. He's, yeah, always. it's still, and what you said, he's right back to the 12-year-old from me. So I want to say, like, Jason, wait a minute, baby. Do you, you know, you want to say, and it's like, okay, let me get myself together. But. I, I honor where he is. And I think that I need to give myself a hug and roll. Yes, because you're doing it out of love, just like most parents are. Yes. I think if we can just see it from that perspective that it, because often we get defensive, right? Like they're coming at me, wanting me to do this or that, or they're judging my life. Instead, just think it's coming from a place of love. How can I tell them I appreciate that, but I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't want to, or I'm not mm-hmm. going to. And just hold it because you are an adult. That's so good. Oh my gosh, it's so good, I Katie. I love that. I am so I love that. happy that you joined us, Katie. I mean, yes. this is like a gem. It's a nugget that I want to just 
store away and keep with me because I can use it. And I know that our listeners are going to feel the same way. Thank you so much for coming to the virtual red table and for sharing your expertise. You can learn more about Katie and these topics and others at katiemorton.com. Thank you so much for having me. We want to know how you're feeling about this new season of Red Table Talk. We are open to talk about anything with you all. So please send in your questions at let's red table that at redtabletalk.com. Follow us on Instagram. I am Kara at the Career Cheerleader. And of course, follow Tracy at Tracy T. Rowe, R O W E. Lastly, if you have any questions for Jada, Gammy, or Willow about Red Table Talk, send them our way. You can email us or record a voice memo at speakpipe.com slash let's red table that. Thank you so much for listening. We love, love, love having you listen with us. Continue to go on this journey with us and make sure you subscribe on iHeartRadio app and please rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. We also want you to give us reviews on iHeartRadio. We'll be back next week for another episode of Let's Red Table That. Let's red table that. Hey. Hey, let's red table that. Hey. A big thank you to our executive producers, Jada Pinkett Smith, Ellen Rackerton, and Fallon Jethro. And thank you to our producer, Kyla Kaneru, and our associate producer, Yolanda Chow. And finally, thank you to our sound engineers, Calvin Bailiff and Devin Donaghy. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.